The blizzard caught Brian Hurley in the open, completely exposed to the driving winds on a tongue of ice that forked like a side road off the superhighway of the Hartsook Glacier. At the coastal field camp he was trying to reach, still twenty-five miles away, the temperature was recorded that evening at twenty degrees below zero Fahrenheit. For Hurley, Catabatic winds of twenty to forty knots, gravity winds created by cold air flowing down the face of the glacier from the high plateau, created a chill factor of approximately eighty below. Pinned down, unable to see more than a few feet in front of him, Hurley knew he couldn't go on blindly over unfamiliar snow and ice or risk exposure to the killing cold. Before being cleared by the NSF for his dog sledge run, Hurley had been given the same survival training other long-term visitors received, which had included instruction in digging an emergency snow trench, improvising a snow cave, or building an igloo from blocks of the hard, lightweight snow called fern that was the best building material Antarctica offered. There was no time to cut, shape, and lay fern blocks, even if he could have found the right kind of snow. Instead, he threw a tarp over the sledge and hastily heaped snow over it, packing it down with a shovel from his gear. Then he began furiously to scoop snow out from under the center of the sledge, creating a hollow opening beneath while leaving both ends of the sledge supported by the ice. The hollow cave was cramped. There was not enough room for him to sit up or change position easily. He would have to lie on his side, legs drawn up toward his chest. On the other hand, the confined space would more quickly be warmed by his body heat. The huskies of his team were better adapted to the severe conditions than Hurley. Before he had finished digging his shelter underneath the sledge, the dogs had already scratched out shallow holes of their own and disappeared into them. The openings were quickly covered by blowing snow. Only Niner was unable to fend for himself. Hurley lifted the injured husky from his bed on the sledge and made room for him at one end of his snow cave. The dog growled when Hurley set him down. Hey, don't knock it, Hurley said. Two bodies are better than one. We'll keep each other warm. The snow blew over the opening above them, sifted down gradually blotted out the sky. A feeble trickle of light seeped through the curtain of snow. Then even that faded out. It became very dark and quiet, except for the moan of the wind itself and the scurrying of fine-grained snow over the frozen surface. The storm had no voice. No sound penetrated Hurley's shelter. Within his cocoon, Hurley sensed only the weight of the deepening snow. A month earlier, during a similar snowstorm, Hurley had had his first experience of digging into the snow during an Antarctic blizzard. Within minutes, a smothering claustrophobia had nearly had him clawing and screaming to escape the tomb-like trench in which he lay. He had had to fight through the feeling of panic. This time he felt more confident, more secure about being able to draw sufficient oxygen through the powdery blanket that covered him, and more certain about himself. Besides, this time he had company. Instead of turning into clumps of ice inside his thermal boots, his feet were warmed by the husky's body. Deliberately, Hurley refrained from checking the luminescent dial of his watch. When the storm blew itself out, it would still be daylight, whatever the hour.
Meanwhile, the blizzard might last three hours or three days. Counting the minutes wouldn't help. Neither would thinking about those hardy souls who had challenged the ice before him and disappeared without a trace. Should have got all this on film, he thought. Where were those television cameras when you needed them?